State of Digital Publishing is a startup market research publisher producing a publication and community for digital media publishing professionals, content, and media owners in new media and publishing technology. In this special episode, we speak with Joanna Burton, Chief Strategy Officer at ID5, Simone Kizali, CEO at Adasta Media, and Lucas Schmall, Managing Director at Czech Publisher Exchange, CPEX, about the pivot towards ID5. Let's begin. Hi, everyone. We've got a pretty special podcast today because not only we've got several guests and I guess that makes us special and also because we're talking about conversation that is constantly coming up this year, given the, the shift with third-party cookies, but there's a different approach that ID5 is taking and we've got publishers as well that would like to share our experiences on that. So we have not only ID5, who's going to speak about a common topic on the depreciation of third-party cookies. There's been a lot of discussion about that, obviously, since the, the timeline of depreciation of that's coming closer now. But we've also got Simone Cizale, CEO of Adasta, and Lukas Schmoll, head of production from the Czech of Publisher Exchange. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hello. Hi. Nice time. to be here. Appreciate your time. Just to get our audience uh, introduced, I'd love to just get a, a quick intro from everyone, just so that we can bring some context to the discussion. So uh, maybe I can start with Stephanie, I can start with you guys and, and ID5. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. My name is Joanna Burton. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at ID5. ID5 is an independent identity infrastructure. We work with publishers and ad tech providers and advertisers all around the world to help them with cookie-less advertising. Thanks, thanks, Joanna. Hi, everyone. My name is Simone Kizzali. I'm the CEO and founder at Adasta Media. Adasta Media is a digital sales house working with publishers to efficiently monetize their video and display inventories. Our solution is mainly based on pre-bid. Perfect. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Lukas Schmoll. I'm from uh, a Czech publisher exchange, CPEX. Uh, we're a publisher co-op from, from Czech Republic. And um, it's a co-op from, for like major Czech publishers. We handle programmatic and data for them. And basically everything that that relates to to programmatic advertising. So I think the main the main thing that we've been seeing from this this year from our end is like uh, first it has been a shift back to a hybrid approach with collecting you know first party second party data. There's many solutions out there now that are coming about. So you know Flock was replaced with Topics from Google, which is a browser-based solution. You know a lot of advertiser publishers like and even like um, media owners like Netflix have. Um, now looking at partnering with more established publishers that have that ad tech solution that can share data. What has been the consensus overall? And definitely ID5 is the, the other alternative, but what has been the overall consensus of what you have seen the, the conversations being around the transition away from third-party cookies? Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of interest in this topic, uh, the, the move away from third-party cookies. So Currently, what, we, what we're facing is we think about 40% of the inventory um, that publishers are representing or selling doesn't have a third-party cookie on it. So it varies by market, it varies across the different countries, but we think about 40% of inventory is unavailable for advertising in those traditional methods that we've been using with third-party cookies for several years. Um, so already there's a problem, and then that means there's a lot of interest in alternative solutions. So the thing is, third-party cookies 
you know, they, they're available and, and we're familiar with how they work, but they don't necessarily work that well. They're restricted by some browsers, as we're talking about, and we are expecting the deprecation in Chrome. And why that's significant is because Chrome is the biggest browser in the world. So they have the biggest market share. So that will have a significant impact on the market. So we're looking at going from 40% of inventory being cookie-less or third-party cookie-less to 95% around the world. So a lot of publishers are interested in looking at an alternative solution so they can prepare for that. But let's be honest, third-party cookies share a lot of data. That's the publisher's own first-party data that the publishers own, and they're being shared with the ecosystem, the advertising ecosystem. But it's also consumer data. A lot of consumer data is potentially being leaked into the advertising ecosystem with third-party cookies right now. And also, even with third-party cookies, different ad tech providers use different methodologies and different naming conventions. So a lot of companies need to match third-party cookies. They need to have a service to sync their third-party cookies to somebody else's third-party cookies. And that interrupts the consumer experience, slows down the page, plethora of problems that we've outlined. So for all of those reasons, and the, the, the coming deprecation has sort of given us a deadline to work to, for all of those reasons, um, we're seeing a lot of interest in this topic because as people want to be able to, publishers want to be able to monetize that inventory more effectively. Publishers want to protect their own data and protect consumers' data. And advertisers as well, they can see that the changes are coming. They want to prepare. They want to be able to find a workable system. So you talk about um, first-party data, and these can all be confusing terms. People interpret first-party data in, in different ways. But I suspect the first thing that people think about with that is our publishers trying to collect more email addresses, more authentication, more mobile telephone numbers, or some way, some login or authentication from their visitors to their website. And that has, has definitely happened, but it's not something that's available to all publishers. And it varies by market. Again, some, some consumers don't want to log in and give their details to the publisher partner. Sometimes they're just visiting that publisher transiently. Um, sometimes they've come through social media or through search and they don't really know what publisher they're on. They just want to read that article or check the weather or do a quick game. So there isn't always the, the opportunity to have that authentication. So publishers need an alternative. And the same on the advertising side. Consumers might visit an advertiser, enter competition, things like that, share their, their purchase history, their login details, but they also may not. And they may be buying through retail or, an, or another option where the brand never has a relationship with the consumer. So we need another way. We need another way on the buy side and the supply side. And that's our aim. We hope to create this other way by using an identifier that can be based on an email or can be based on other signals that are available to the publisher, like the IP address, but with the consent in the various different regions. So we have two publishers here from Europe, and in both cases, we need to ask for consent at the time the consumer visits the website. And we're asking for consent to have access to IP address, which is considered first-party data. Um, so we can then create an ID based on either these soft signals that come through the header, like IP address and the time of the visit, or based on a hashed email. What's important is that we're not sharing the IP address or the hashed email. We convert those into an ID5 ID, and then we encrypt that ID, and then that ID is shared in the bid stream. So it's based on minimal data, and it's encrypted. So really for us, privacy is at the heart of what we do protecting the consumer privacy and the publisher's privacy and the advertiser's privacy. 
So that's the kind of trends we've seen in different markets and for these, these reasons. Thanks, John. I think um, we'll definitely jump into more of the implementation and technical side a little bit more later in the conversation. Lucas, I guess, yeah, as Joanne mentioned, um, I guess, what's been your experience today in sort of the journey to, to coming towards considering ID5 and what have been the other discussions you've been having with other publishers in this space, in particularly in the European context? Yeah, I mean, on the publisher end, the uh, the whole identity and the whole deprecation of third-party cookies thing, it's a, a it's a huge topic. I think <laughs> along with GDPR, those are I feel sometimes almost the only two topics that <laughs> that we talk about. And I think um, there's been some sort of a shift in the way we think about it or the way we discuss it. Like when it started, let's say two or three years ago, when we started researching these solutions. It was perceived as some sort of a problem or some sort of a threat somewhere in the future that we're going to have to tackle. And I think two things changed. First, the future is almost here today. Uh, it's very close or it's basically right now. It's in part it's here. And the third thing, the second thing is we don't really see it as that much of a threat now. Uh, it's, it's sort of shifting into, into an opportunity as, as we slowly sort of like gain our footing and we've already implemented some identity solutions and tested them and so on. So it's not some, not something, something unknown and scary in the future. This is something that we're already tackling and, and, uh, and solving. Something that Joanna talked about, you know, the third-party cookies have been here for a long time, but they're not the best solution. And basically, the way the data are gathered and shared is it's a bit of a mess, you know, right now. And this, the opportunity here, one of the opportunities that lies in, in this whole thing and also in using ID5, for, for example, is for publisher to, to gain control over their data or to shift the control to their side. And if publisher has control, that means uh, the consumer has bigger control over the data and the transparency is, is better and so on and so on. So I think, yeah, big topic, but it's not that much of a, not that much of a scarecrow now. It's, uh, it's just something that uh, we perceive as, as necessary and probably an opportunity for the future. Thanks, Thanks Lucas. Um, I want to also ask this to Simon as well, but do you feel that with GDPR being the catalyst, and because obviously it's happened in Europe first, that, that's given you guys an opportunity to make some mistakes and learn as to go from the journey. Because you know now that's coming more closer, you feel more comfortable and seizing the opportunity. There might be other publishers around the world that haven't sort of made that a concern, and now they're going to rush towards it. Like, do you feel like these last couple of years have given you guys the opportunity to to figure out capitalizing as an opportunity now and making it more digestible to the transition? Uh, yeah. Uh... Uh, sorry, go on. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's definitely an opportunity. When I first met Joanna, I think it was uh, two years and a half ago, she was the first person in the market uh, talking uh, about uh, identity solution and uh, possibility solution. And, and we decided uh, basically to work together. I, I totally agree with what Joanna said before, because in our experience, Adasta, uh, is working with publishers that don't have uh, authenticated traffic. And so we needed basically a solution to scale uh, with the demand side. And ID5 is giving us the opportunity to have the identifier in each single bid request we send to the buyer side. And that's basically why we decided to work with ID5. Even if we use other, other solutions uh, that are 
based on authenticated traffic, but it's basically doesn't give us the opportunity to scale. And it's like uh, the tip of the pyramid and uh, we need basically solution to get the opportunity to target our traffic to the buyer side. And that's basically the opportunity that makes the cooperation with the ID5 as an ID provider. Nice. Uh, okay. Does the, the, are you both, uh, I mean, is the consensus is still the most, the monetization, is that mostly still, are you also factoring in unique ID, ID5 and unique ID tagging across other monetization models or experiments that you're working on? How adaptable is it? Because obviously when you consider this, it's mostly based on ad-driven uh, businesses. Is that something, how, how do you, you know, we'll talk about as well about the CPM, Average, how it helps with average CPM bids and improving that. Um, how adaptable is this concept as well for other monetization models? Can you clarify what you mean by other monetization models? Like, for example, whether through subscriptions, um, having that unified data attribution to be able to determine what monetization opportunity a publisher should go after. Yeah, we're very focused on advertising funded models. So um, subscription is a, is a different topic, I think. But from an advertising funded perspective, mm -hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, you need to look at um, things like um, can you protect your data whilst also potentially increasing revenue in some way, um, attracting more advertisers? Yep. A lot of advertisers might be specifically interested in increasing the reach of their campaign into that 40% of traffic that's not available now. Yep. Um, and I think, you, you, you know, a lot of this kind of conversation talks about advertising, um, increasing reach, incremental reach, retargeting and targeting. But it's also important to understand that you need an identifier to be able to optimize a campaign, to be able to frequency cap, for example, to prevent the consumer from seeing the same ad over and over, or so that you can show a sequence of advertising based on how many times you've, you've contacted that consumer, um, or um, being able to measure. So it's important for measuring the results of a campaign as well and measuring the contribution that a publisher makes to that to the conversion or the customer outcome. So advertising, very much in the world of advertising, but being able to optimize and uh, measure as well. Thank you for that, Joanna. So in terms of results, some of the statistics that you guys have sent, for example, an increase in CPM of 25%, there was, um, it's a CPX's average bid CPM on opportunities, it was 11% higher where there was no ID5 present. Maybe I'll start with Joanna. How did you guys work together to identify an improvement of those opportunities? And um, basically, how has that made an impact for the respective publisher? How has that made an impact for you guys at the moment? Okay, well, I'll just give you the background. And that's that um, yep. ID5 is integrated by both the publishers that we have on the call today. Yep. And the integration, we, we aim to make it as, as easy and simple as possible. Um, through either an API or through pre-bid, or, or we also work with Amazon and with Pubmatic who can do the implementation. So we, we try and remove the friction on the publisher side. So the ID is enabled um, by the publishers and their partners, and then that ID is retrieved by all the SSPs that are integrated with ID5 and passed to the demand side. But for a bit more detail about how it's used, why don't we ask, Lukash from the Czech Publisher Exchange. Thank you, Jenna. Uh, well, so in our case, we've integrated ID5 in, uh, in Prebit, into our Prebit integrations across several domains. 
On top of that, we've integrated ID5's uh, analytics module that uh, in that in that time was fresh out, I think. And ID5 reached out to, and they asked, like, do you want to test it? And we were sure. <laughs> and so, and what the analytics module does is it turns off ID5 on a small fraction of traffic. I think it was 10% at that, at that time or something like that. So it's basically an essentially an, uh, an A-B test in the in the A group, the 90% you, you are sending ID5 into the bitstream to the SSPs and SSPs pass it to DSPs. And in those 10% are, that's, that's basically a control group. You're not sending anything. What we did or what ID5 later did with the data, they compared the results with ID5 and without ID5. And this was sent, this was done, as I said, across several, several domains, several SSP partners, uh, open traffic deals, whatever, you know, we just put everything together and we saw in general, there was an increase in CPM where the ID5 was present and especially in those cookie browsers like Safari Firefox, where cookies are basically gone today. I mean, third-party cookies, there's still some first-party. So that was that. Okay. Oh, nice. And are you still continue, taking that continuous A-B testing approach or like how are you, how has that evolved since the start? Well, we're, we've done some other tests as well with ID5. Uh, the A-B test is still running. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll gather another set of data and take a look if we, if we learn something new. But we've also done some other tests with ID5 and, and some other identity providers. Uh, what, we, what we've tested was what Joanna talked about as well, the ability to do some frequency capping and to manage a campaign in general in, in Kukula's environment, right? So we, we tried running a campaign in, in a Safari and Firefox with ID5 and some other IDs that we've tested and without it. And again, we compared the results. And basically the results are if, you, if you're in a Kukula's environment, you're unable to... to to successfully run and manage a campaign. If you send an identifier such as ID5 into, into the bitstream, the, the spend is several times higher. You can, you can control the frequency. You can, you can do all the stuff that you, that you would like to do normally with your campaign. Yeah, I mean, there's not, the clear hypothesis is that like without that data, the, obviously it's not gonna allow you to do the things that you've, you guys have achieved. So no, thank you for that. Simone, how about, how about oh, yeah. for your... Yes, yeah. We 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 had a more or less this, the same experience. We have been sending uh, ID5 ID for the last few years. The technologies used by the demand side, and um, for us, it's it's, uh, it's very immediate, automatic because uh, the ID is present in the bid request, and we normally send millions uh, of bid requests per day to the uh, technologies on the demand side. And uh, around six months ago, we had a catch-up uh, with the ID5 teams uh, in which they showed us basically the, re the results we got from this activity, uh, these long-lasting activities we uh, made via the pre-bid integration we had uh, on our publishers. And uh, we basically saw that the bid CPM was higher when the ID5 was present in the bid request uh, compared to the bid request in which the ID uh, was, was uh, absent, basically. And the percentage, to be precise, the percentages are uh, the ones you, you can read in the case studies. It's, it's uh, 
8% increase in the overall bid CPM uh, of, of uh, all traffic uh, that Adasta is generating and 25%, uh, and that's a very interesting uh, number uh, for us in the uh, bid requests sent by the already existing cookie-less environments like Safari and Firefox browser. Thank you for that. Similar. It seems like, uh, yeah, there's definitely very similar use cases, like, uh, yeah, definitely uh, improvements and the use cases seem to be very clear. I think just looking at, as well, Simone, like, are there any iterative or changes or anything that you'll be doing to continue to, are you going to be doing anything further um, to help maximize the use of ID5 and unique ID tagging? Um, or is it mostly doing what you're doing at the moment? Like how, how, I guess I'm just trying to ask more about, is there a progression? And, and maybe, Joanna, you can also jump in after Simone as well. Like what sort of the, the, the stages that you need to take in order to make the most use of ID5? Is it, do you have to start smaller and maybe to do more? I know pre-reading and all that, you, you mentioned that it makes a lot more seamless and stuff, but is there anything iterative that you can do to make the most out of using ID tagging, ID5 and this whole approach more effective? I, I think we need to actually talk to the demand side because the, 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 the main problem is that we don't have so much information uh, coming from the uh, media agencies present in Italy. They basically, they don't disclose what they are testing uh, in, in, a, in a trial, but we need to educate uh, also the, the agency about the solution that the supply side, the publishers are adopting to replace the third party cooking. And this is happening in Italy, very limited way, let's say, because I think they are not so scared at the moment. Uh, they don't perceive the problem uh, as it is. And because in 12 months, uh, basically they need to uh, replace everything they have been using uh, so far to target and measure their, measure their, their campaigns. But that's, that's one important point for me, the demand side, the adoption of the net solution from, by the demand side, what will, will be the solution. Perfect. Uh, how about yourself, Lukas? What do you think is the next evolution? Uh, 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 and yeah, and I'll ask uh, Joanna afterwards as well, in, just in general. I agree. The discussion with the demand side is going to be crucial and we need to put them, take, get them on board, let's say. Uh, and we're doing that in Czech Republic. We're talking to DSPs, we're talking to agencies, trying to figure out together what would be the best solution and uh, how it could benefit both sides. And I think like in general with identity publishers and identity providers can't do it themselves, right? You need, you need buy sides to get on board as well. Yeah, there's definitely work to be done, uh, increased coverage to get more scale. Then there's different use cases. What we've tried so far was uh, open auction and, and some deals, but there's there are, there are other use cases. There's uh, audience targeting and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's there's definitely, I think we're, we had some successful tests and successful implementations, but I think we're at the beginning and, uh, you know, it, it's going to evolve. We're sort of heading into unknown waters and who knows <laughs> what our use cases will, will show up later. So there's definitely work to be done. Sure. That's a really good point. We are heading into unknown waters and the publishers are the most effective, we think. So I absolutely agree with Lukash and Simone. We really need to keep educating the buy side. In many cases, in our preferences at ID5, that the buy side doesn't need to know about this problem, that 
we'll just make the technology work. And if there's no third party cookie, they can use an ID5 ID instead. But there's a lot of different tech partners that we need to talk to to enable that. There's a lot of different integrations that need to be facilitated with the activation platforms. You know, we work with many DSPs, but we're always wanting to increase the number of DSPs to increase that bid density. Um, similarly, we work with lots of data management platforms and customer data platforms to ensure that they can then activate the data they have in a cookie-less way and, in, and try and motivate them to do that so they can have the learnings before, before third-party cookies go away. And there are, there are a lot of campaigns. We have campaigns running now in Australia, um, as well as in other countries in the world. Sometimes a brand or an agency wants to specifically run an isolated campaign, a, a POC, if you like, to be able to set some KPIs at the beginning of the campaign and see how the campaign performed and be able to take those test and learn approaches to have some knowledge before the third party deprecates. We've seen a particular interest in tech brands. So I, I, talk a lot, I talk a lot to brands and agencies, especially on a global level. So we have some tech, some technology brands running global campaigns, yep. multi-country campaigns, and their aim is very much to increase the reach, to be able to target a wider audience, target that 40% that's, un, that's not targetable with third-party cookies. So different kinds of technology brands are doing that now. Um, we've also seen a lot of interest from CPG brands who have been building a relationship with customers, gathering data on their customers, gathering email addresses, and then need a way to activate that with an identifier because there aren't that many email addresses on the supply side. Um, also, automotive brands are really leaning into this topic. Very often, it's a really big project to try and pull together multiple data sources. But if they're going to pull together multiple data across multiple countries with possibly looking at adding new tech partners and new DMP or CDP to their tech stack, now's the time to also consider what their approach will be to identity. So we have these really big projects underway with major brands. But as both Lukash and Simone highlighted, it's less of a problem for brands right now than it is for publishers and supply side platforms, because at the moment, brands can still buy a lot of highly targetable inventory in the walled gardens. It's easy for them to use all the data that consumers are providing whenever they, they log on to their favorite social media platform and um, to be able to have all that data to target against. So it's an easy way now. That won't give reach, that won't support diversity in terms of publisher ecosystems, but it's very appealing and it works when there's all that data available right now. We're hoping that we can provide brands with that additional reach outside the wall gardens, but still in a way that they can work with targeting and, and frequency capping. Much less data than they used to, but workable. And so that's the approach there, talking to more and more DSPs, DMPs, and advertisers and brands around the world. And there's other things that publishers can do as well. So it's important to make sure that the ID is being passed by the SSP. So we've worked with both CPEX and Adasta to ensure that the technology is working between the publisher and the, and the SSP. And also to ensure that a publisher might look at creating segments with a, a data management platform on the supply side. So we work with um, data management platforms like Piano, for example, is able to package up the inventory and, and in, improve performance in that way by working with cookie-less segments to sell them to the demand side as well. At the end of the day, I think what we're talking about is there's still a, a lot of work to be done. There's obviously clear results already, but there's a more opportunity 
working with more supply side partners and more demand side partners to increase the education, the knowledge, the testing in advance of the deprecation. Thank you for the, it helps give a good picture to everything where the, everything's up to. A slight tangent, I've also seen inverted commas retail media. So obviously retail brands, they have a lot of that first party data. They're trying to go in and essentially work directly with, you know, CPG brands, automotive brands that you just mentioned, Joanna as well. Like, and, they're, and they're also doing that in their own infrastructure and environment and trying to sell that as a premium. I mean, where do you, I'll probably ask that first question to you, uh, Joanna, um, where do you see them in the ecosystem in terms of being able to, you know, work with publishers and um, how is it, do you think that's, that's a threat to publishers? Given that no, I don't think it's a threat. So with retail media, I think that's really interesting. So very often there'll be a, a brand that has their own inventory and then also wants to sell their products. So we, we talk with a lot of these different companies around the world. And the interesting thing there is if they're working with ID5 ID to be able to increase reach and targeting off-site with new customers, they can also apply the same technology on-site. So there's retail media, but there's also e-commerce sites, well-known publishing sites that offer uh, products for sale as well. And we can, as well as uh, making their inventory available for other advertisers. And that's a good opportunity to use the ID5 ID as both a supply and um, demand side. Okay, so basically there's an additional partner that publishers can work with in a, in a nutshell, yeah. Have you, Lucas, Simon, have you seen more of the retail media or directly those type of relationships being coming your way or uh, there's a use case neatly relating to uh, quite famous consumer consumer goods uh, player uh, that is Carrefour it's a, it's a French based in uh, company yeah. and they are using identifiers in association with the cards that their uh, consumers are sign up in the shop and so they they rolled out kind of pilot testing uh, using this matching uh, rule between and, and using identifiers in and that that's the only example i have about re, the, the, the retail industry we don't work that with the sector of, of players fair enough thank you yeah i can't say i i've so far, we haven't seen any sort of like increased demand from retail uh, that I could link directly to ID5 or any other identifier. I think this is, but I think this is an, an opportunity, let's say, for the future. It's something to, that can be developed, yeah. Let's pivot uh, the conversation towards more of the implementation and technical side. I guess, um, John, I'll just start with you. I guess, what would be like the steps that publishers looking to consider ID5 or you know identity cloud tagging and what's the steps that they have to take um, especially if they haven't collected much of that data before I mean what's the prerequisites that has to be done before they they can start implementing this so we made the technology as easy to implement as possible you can sign up on the website if you like but feel free to call us so the most the tech is easy to implement yeah. But the most important um, element is that we need to have contract in place to so that we're both contracted to cover the data protection elements. Um, then it's very important to include some words on the website to inform the users and, and to be transparent with the consumers in how you are collecting IP address. You know, you, you understand the location of the of the user and how that will be used. 
it's important to have the right consent in place. So in Europe, you have to ask for the visitors to opt in. Um, in other countries, you have to facilitate an opt out. So I'd really say that the tech implementation is simple, um, the, it, but it's really important that we address the issues around protecting data for the consumer point of view and the publisher. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, you may, it sounds sounds easy to, to get, get things going. So no, thank you for that. Uh, I guess to wrap things up and I guess to look at things ahead for all our guests today, I guess, what are the things that you are primarily looking for this year that is a focus with the deprecation of, I, I know we've talked about some of them, some of those past now, but I guess just to emphasize a bit more, what are, what are the things that you're looking forward to this year to really make use of to help with this pivot? I'll ask um, Lukas to start. Uh, yeah, sorry, could you, could you maybe... Rephrase it. What are the things we're looking forward to? I guess what are your part? What are your main priorities, or what are the things that you're looking forward to yeah. to continue? Yeah. I know with you started experimentation. You've already started a lot of experimentation, but what do you feel like are more of the higher priorities for you? Well, I think there's there's a couple of areas. I think Simone said that uh, you know we, we see it as some sort of a pyramid. Every time somebody talks about identity, there's this. I, I hear this sentence every time. There, there's no sing, there's no silver bullet. You know, there's not uh, not one solution that would fit all. So for us, it's it's a couple of areas. Uh, it's these uh, identifiers, first party or probabilistic identifiers that will that will cover a big part of the of the traffic. And for us, this remains a priority to test the uh, existing ones, uh, increase the increase the scale and maybe look for other ones if there's something else you probably want to have a mix you probably want to have you don't want you don't need 10 but maybe if you have two or three it could help uh so this is this is one part another part for us a big topic for us is deterministic identity so an identity that is tied to an email phone number or something like that so for that we are developing our own solution with a cooperation with uh with Cessna, who is a another big publisher slash tech company in Czech Republic. So this is a huge topic and a big priority for us as well. And uh, developing different use cases on top of that on how to activate these, these identifiers, uh, basically how to, how to use them uh, in, a, in campaign management, how to build segments on top of them. Of course, how to ensure privacy and, and abide all the laws that we need to abide. Uh, how to increase the privacy for the user, how to increase the publisher control uh, of their data and stuff like that. And then maybe some other, I would say, additional things like uh, contextual targeting and stuff like that that would sort of fit into the puzzle, you know. And um, and a big topic, uh, as been said here, is a discussion with the buy side because the, the, the acceptance of our solutions of the, of the buy side technology partners and, and the agencies and stuff like that. We can't be just, you know, uh, sending this stuff into, into the ether and hope something will help. We, we need the buy side to, to come along. Interesting. There's a lot that, uh, that you're trying to holistically cover. So thanks for that. Uh, Simona, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, my, my side, um, keep, keep testing uh, different, different solutions, giving us the opportunity to scale because we don't have logins in our site. So we don't have basically authenticated traffic. Uh, uh, trying to figure out what, will, uh, what solution will be the standard for the next year because it, that's, that's like the it's a key application for us. And, uh, and also, yes, 
contextual targeting, we are also testing contextual targeting that could be a good alternative for our publishers to the identifiers and things like that, because we are testing a, a new solution provided by our TMP company. And probably uh, we will uh, use a different uh, solution uh, to replace third-party cookies in our offer to be uh, to, to the brands and to the agencies in, in our market. From what I understood, you mentioned that from the test and the continuing test, and you know, with looking at contextual advertising, you said I think one of you you're still trying to figure out the more primary method of activating unique IDs. I guess do you have a timeline on which one you want to look at, relying on upon the most, or is this you want to just continue iterating? Uh, we we will use many solutions. The one with the most reach now is uh, ID5 because we have been working uh, with with the guys at ID5 for three years. Uh, but we are use also using, for instance, Share ID. Uh, that is the solution provided directly. If you use uh, Prebit as a uh, let's say as a standard for your header bidding solution, yep. and uh, but don't we don't have so much information about the reach, uh, the KPI related to this solution. And we don't have the conversation we have with ID5. And that's, 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 that's very important to have feedback from the providers uh, for this technical solution, because you need to get insights in order to make your strategy working with the other part, with the buy side. That's a really good point there, Simone. So one of our key values as a company is to show leadership, um, leadership and thought leadership in the area of identity. So I hope that we can provide that for all our partners. And again, speaking for me, ID5 and the team here, our key focus this year um, and for the next 12 months is really to drive more demand, by which I mean working with more and more activation platforms um, to help them understand how to use how to target the ID5 ID and, and working with more brands and agencies to um, have them understand when they're running global campaigns or, or individual country campaigns, how they can work with the ID5 ID and the benefits that we can bring. Um, we make it very easy for publishers and SSPs to integrate with ID5. There's more work to be done, more technical integration work to be done on the demand side with a, with a DSP, for example. Um, but there are benefits now to being able to work with. We have hundreds of publishers in all markets that have made this technology available. So there's a lot of scale available for the DSPs and the agencies and advertisers now. Um, and I hope that both sides can continue to see the benefits and we can learn as much as possible before we're in the position with no third party cookies to work with at all. At that optimistic note, let's conclude and thank all, all our guests that have joined us today. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you, Lukas. Thank you, Simone. Thank you for, for your insights and, and sharing your experiences with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing Podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time.